When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Today I'm calling on Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for the next 90 days. Another band-aid and something they know is dead on arrival up here in Congress. The holiday the American people need is a holiday from Joe Biden's terrible energy policy. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. Will gas prices go down as a result of your interest rate increase? I would not think so, no. Did Jay Powell just predict a recession? Uh, as close as you can get if you're the chairman of the Fed. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. President Biden calls for a gas tax holiday without the support of Capitol Hill. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. As the president speaks from the White House on this, even as Fed Chair Jay Powell answers tough questions in the Senate about inflation, we'll be seeking answers from Bloomberg International Economics and Policy Correspondent Mike McKee in the Capitol today and with our panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with us for the hour. Later, another primary night in America cuts both ways for Donald Trump. We'll look at the results from Alabama, Georgia, and Virginia with Bloomberg Elections reporter Greg Giroux. President Biden is going for it. We talked about this quite a bit yesterday, so you were smarter than everyone else at the cocktail party. The Gas tax holiday is now apparently in favor at the White House. But I will remind you, the president cannot do this on his own. Calling on Congress to suspend the 18 cent a gallon tax for three months. The big concern here, of course, is that oil companies may or may not pass it on. By suspending the 18 cent gas tax, federal gas tax for the next 90 days, we can bring down the price of gas and give families just a little bit of relief. I call on the companies to pass this along every penny of this 18 cents reduction to the consumers. Okay, so let's see if that happens. There's an important meeting tomorrow at the White House. The heads of the major oil companies will be asked, urged, prodded. I don't know how you describe this to start increasing production. Now, as I mentioned, that's one side of Pennsylvania Avenue on the other. Jay Powell, the Fed chair, taking tough questions in a Senate committee about, of course, his plan to 
rein in inflation. And the big question is, can you do that without causing a recession? Do you agree with the perspective that if interest rates go too high too fast, it could drive us into a recession? It's certainly a possibility. It's not our intended uh, outcome at all, but it's certainly a possibility. And, and frankly, the events of the last few months you know, around the world have, have, um, have made it more difficult for us to achieve what we want, which is 2% inflation gotcha. and still a strong labor market. Okay. That was John Tester, by the way, Senator from Montana, asking the question. So we want to bring in Mike McKee uh, for more on this. Bloomberg International Economics and Policy Correspondent. Great to have you back, Mike. Welcome. Thanks, Joe. Did Jay Powell just predict a recession? (laughs) Uh, As close as you can get if you're the chairman of the Fed. You can't really admit that there's going to be a recession because imagine what would happen in the markets if he said something like that. It'd be like the uh, skipper of a baseball team coming out and saying, we're going to lose every game, but hey, come watch anyway. (laughs) Go ahead. Flip your bets. So... So yeah, he had, he admitted the truth that it's going to be very difficult to uh, stick the soft landing, as it were. Mm-hmm. And most economists are predicting that we will have a downturn. Uh, some think it will be very mild. Some think it will not be. Uh, but uh, history shows that when the Fed starts tightening significantly, yeah. uh, that's going to be the case. It's, you're going to end up with a recession. And the problem here is that there's so much the Fed can't do anything about. Yes, they right. can't really bring down gasoline prices unless they really crush demand, which sets you up for a recession. All right. So that's where Elizabeth Warren came in today, asking very similar questions to what we've been asking uh, here on the broadcast. And I'm pretty sure you asked Jay Powell himself in the news conference following the meeting last week. If you cannot fix food prices and oil prices, then what exactly is the point of this exercise? Here's Warren and Powell. Will gas prices go down as a result of your interest rate increase? I would not think so, no. Will the Fed's interest rate increases bring food prices down for families? No, I, I wouldn't say so, no. Right now, the Fed has no control over the main drivers of rising prices. You know what's worse than high inflation and low unemployment? It's high inflation and a recession with millions of people out of work. And I hope you'll reconsider that as you drive this, before you drive this economy off a cliff. So I guess for starters, is she correct? And is this a case, secondly, of who wants to tell her that's actually what they're planning to do? <laughs> well, you notice that Elizabeth Warren tends to be uh, a little more dramatic in public hearings. Yeah, uh, and, he's there. And, and it's obvious that the Fed doesn't have control over gasoline and food prices, except, as I said, if you really raise an interest rate high, like Paul Volcker did, you yeah. crush demand, yes. you get a recession, and then gasoline prices will come down because people won't be driving. Mm-hmm. But it is a difficult situation that the Fed is in. And there are some people, and Warren seems to be in that camp, uh, Danny Blanchflower, who is a regular on on Bloomberg Radio and television, is a professor at Dartmouth College, um, has argued that we are in or very close to recession and the Fed should be thinking about cutting rates because of that, because by the time it becomes obvious, it's too late. So there's a small camp that argues there could be a recession that the Fed could go too far Mm -hmm. and that they should back off from raising rates. But the Fed and and 90% of the economists are focused on the idea that inflation is high enough that they need to keep going or it gets entrenched in inflation expectations and then it's very hard to eradicate. 
President Biden today announcing this suspension of the federal gas tax. How is he doing this when no one in Washington seems to think that this is a good idea? Well, including Nancy Pelosi, I I would say that there's nothing special about Washington. No one around the country or around the world thinks this is a good idea. But he needs Congress to Uh, pass. Yeah, he needs Congress to pass it. And uh, Congress, uh, from everything I understand, is not of a mind to do that. And maybe he knows that. And and, and it's uh, it's. This is something you can throw out free. See, at least we tried. We did everything we 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 thought about it, and we could have helped you. But uh, any economist will tell you if you subsidize something, people are going to buy more of it. If you're going to have people buy more gasoline, and you don't have more gasoline, which is our situation now, then those people, (laughs) the price is going to go up, not down. That will require significant demand destruction. Wouldn't just keeping prices where they are cause that? On their own? Well, here's the other thing that people aren't thinking about is uh, trees don't grow to the sky. Uh And gasoline prices and oil prices have been going up, but they're kind of topping out. I mean, we've had this volatility. Down sharply the last Down sharply. But they've been going up and down in a certain range. Mm -hmm. And as long as on a percentage basis they aren't still rising above their previous highs, then you're not going to have a percentage increase in gasoline and oil prices. Uh, So the inflationary aspect of it, which inflation being a broad rise in in the price level, Mm -hmm. isn't going to be taking place. And so they sort of fall out of the calculation just because – oil's at uh, 120 or you're paying $5 a gallon for gasoline. If you don't get to six, then there's no more inflation in gasoline prices. There are just high prices. Is the trip to Saudi Arabia the closest thing this president will find actually impacting the global price of oil if he gets the Saudis to pump more? Sure. If they pump more, the the global price of oil will go down. Now, the question is, does that show up in something that the consumer cares about? Because refinery capacity is at like 94% right now, and the rest are down for maintenance. Mm -hmm. So even if you get more oil, you can't really produce more oil, given the situation. And none of the refiners want to reopen mothballed refineries or uh, build new ones because Joe Biden says we're going to get rid of uh, gasoline-powered cars. Mm -hmm. So there's, I mean, why make a billion-dollar investment? So at this point, yeah, he can bring down the the price of oil, and that will help on the margins, and it will help. um, It makes the input cost to refiners lower, so prices could go down a little bit. But it isn't going to have the kind of impact on the consumer that uh, might help him tremendously politically. It it will help consumers a little bit because prices will go down and businesses will see input costs for things like chemicals and raw materials go down. So the skeptic would say this is the big wind-up to the trip. You do what you can with the tax piece. You already released a million barrels a day from the from the SPR. You have your meeting with executives on Thursday. Now you're in the clear to do the real job, which is to ask MBS to pump more. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how that goes over, given the, the, the Crown Prince's uh, history, mm-hmm. political history, and to see if Biden gets more credit or more criticism for doing it. But uh, this is one of those situations where you go back to the old uh, saying that uh, countries have no friends, they just have interests. And um, it is very difficult for presidents to do some of these things. But in the interests of the American people, maybe Biden feels he can swallow uh, the U.S. pride or whatever it is and, and ask for more oil. This is why he used to host his own political talk show right here on Bloomberg, not only covering the Fed, but you're the best at that, too. And that's why we always love spending some time with Mike McKee, especially when you're in Washington. Thank you, Mike. Have a safe trip home. Sure. Good to see him in studio. Much like Rick Davis, Bloomberg politics contributor is with us in Washington 
today as well. Uh, Rick, I wanted to ask you about this gas tax holiday specifically, because when you were running the McCain campaign in 2008, it's something that you had proposed then as well. The reason for that, I can only assume, as we just discussed, is to be seen doing something, right? At least we tried everything we had. Was that what was going through your, your heads at the time? Yeah, you got to have a you got to have something to give to the American people who are suffering from you know high gas prices. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it back then. I think gas was like you know three eighty three thirty eight, and oil was over one hundred fourteen dollars a barrel, right? Wow. So like, and that was in two thousand eight. Yeah. <laughs> so those dollars go a long way today, and 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 so, so quite a bit higher, arguably, than they are now. Exactly, and 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 of course we're in a financial meltdown, you know, across the board. So, uh, you. But we knew it was bad policy, right? I mean, like taking $9 billion, it's $10 billion now, but $9 billion out of the Highway Trust Fund just to make people, you know, give them 18 cents or whatever the, the number was back in, in, in 2008, uh, alleviation from the pump. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a gimmick. I mean, like we knew it was a gimmick at the time, right? One wow. of the other options we said was, why don't we just give them the money? Well, right. Send a check. Yes. <laughs> and, and and at least it's uh, then you, you don't know, have to worry about the oil companies taking it. Exactly. You're, you're a little more earnest in the fact that you're just subsidizing the American family. Let them right. spend it on whatever they want. This, um, to be clear, there's no support for this on either side of the aisle on Capitol Hill. No. Right. Today, it's, it's not going to happen. Today, it's, a, it's seen as a gimmick. Uh, the reason the president's doing it is so that he has something to say to the American people. Wow. We're going to fold in Jeannie Shanzano, our panel coming up next. And we'll give you a sense of what they are saying on Capitol Hill, both D's and R's, as we try to bring you both sides of this here. The fastest hour in politics rolls on. We'll update markets and traffic for you, too. So stay with us. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called it showbiz, reminding us of when Barack Obama called a gas tax holiday a gimmick back in 2008. But listen to how Joe Manchin reacted to this idea today. The senator from West Virginia was asked about it by ABC News. Which politician up here is going to be voting to put that 18 cent tax back on? a month before the November election. So that we just dig the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. The timing is tough. Let's assemble the panel for more on all of this. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us for the hour. 
Uh, Jeannie, we need to hear your voice here as the Democrats are apparently as opposed to this as a lot of Republicans on Capitol Hill. What's the motivation here at the White House today? You know, I think the motivation is they're trying to show that they're using all the tools in their tool belt, even if they, you know, uh, and I say tools in their tool belt, they really don't have this one. But, you know, just to show that they are trying to do what they can to push through anything. I think the danger here is, number one, not just the fact Congress probably won't pass it and it may not get passed on to consumers, but this focus uh, the president has doesn't seem to be sustained on addressing the energy problem. There's these one-off policies, like one-hit wonders, one day this, one day that. And that's a problem for him politically. And I think many people, particularly on the left, are asking themselves, you know, essentially, who is Joe Biden? He could have used the challenge in Ukraine and the challenge with prices to push for renewables. You know the old saying, don't let a good crisis go to waste? Why hasn't he pushed for something that people on the Democratic side believe in? This is not it, and he's going to talk about it. It won't get through, and I fear politically it does him you know, I don't think it does him much damage, but I don't think it does him much good either. Wouldn't bring down the price of gas now, though, Rick, which is what the White House needs. Yeah, they need a summer of driving that has some relief to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And and the reality is, but between congressional recesses coming up and the inability to get something like this passed, I mean, they're just never going to see any kind of relief. So mm-hmm. uh, people are going to hit the road for their summer vacations, pack the kids and the dogs in the car, and they're going to pay full price at the pump. Reaction from Republicans today uh, in the Senate, Senator John Thune. What the administration, of course, is coming up with is yet another gimmick uh, another band-aid that word again. and something they know is dead on arrival up here in Congress. Which apparently everyone agrees with. I Look, things could change, I guess. Senator uh, John Barrasso had a bit more poetry to spin. Joe Biden, the president of painfully high prices, is throwing another desperate Hail Mary pass. It's the so-called gas tax holiday. The holiday the American people need is a holiday from Joe Biden's terrible energy policies. My God, Jeannie, did he just make it worse? The president was supposed to give people something good to talk about. Uh, Yeah, he was. And this, again, is the fear. And I think this is what we've seen with the Biden presidency. He hasn't been able to show the American public who he is, in part because the constituency he ran on was trying to stitch together these progressives and these moderates. And I don't think he's gotten to express who he really is. And again, If he's committed to renewables, if he's committed to a long-term solution, it may not immediately bring down gas prices, but at least it would be an authentic version, if that is what it is, of who he is and who the administration is. This is a losing proposition. And, you know, my question has been, why take the time and the days to think about this? He comes on board and says this today. By my count, we have no more congressmen or women supporting it than we did, certainly not mention. And by the way, no more states saying they would go along with it at this point other than the 19 and if you don't get the states the consumers don't feel that mm-hmm. what's really supposed to be felt here so i'm not sure why they took the time if they didn't bring people along today he dumps this and we don't see more support for it in the, congress or the states strike you as just a, a strange decision uh, rick or, or is the point just to get the get the sound cut on the air president's giving you wants at least a gas tax holiday uh, as opposed to, you know, spending time whipping votes, trying to get a, a coalition together here. 
Sure, you could you could make the argument that he's just trying to put Congress on the defense, right? Oh, I wanted to give you this you gas tax yeah. holiday, but the problem is half of those are his guys. I mean, half of those are Democrats, and what are they going to say about this? I mean, you heard Joe Manchin. This is just a gimmick. This is a joke. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Dead on arrival. I mean, but like he's putting his own party who's on the ballot. He's not on the ballot in, in, in six months. Yeah. His party is, and his party's got to go and explain why this administration isn't doing much uh, to alleviate their pain at the pump. And and so I, I really think it's a, a mistake. I mean, he also got caught today in a, a you know, sort of a, an effort to try and pick on the oil industry again. Like the CEO of uh, of Chevron yes, sent a letter right. out saying, hey, quit picking on us. Yeah. He goes, ah, you're thin-skinned. <laughs> you <laughs> realize how sensitive they this are. Is, it's all these you know permits to drill. You should be drilling. I mean, yeah. like, it's not helpful in this conversation to keep bringing up things that actually aren't going to make any difference. Jeannie, we started this hour talking about Jay Powell today, his testimony. You add a recession to all of this, which might actually be the only way they can get rid of the inflation problem right now. And boy, I don't know what kind of a final chapter uh, we can write here to make it more depressing. But does President Biden need to start preparing people for that? Or is that just not the job of the commander in chief? He has to talk up the economy when in public. Yeah, yeah, I guess he could just rely on Powell to do it for him as he did today. And, you know, speaking of, you know, not much of an affinity between the two, um, to my mind, you know, when Powell was asked if inflation was high, you know, in terms of the war, if, you know, this Putin price hike has any, you know, realistic, if there's any truth to that, he basically sold Joe Biden down the river saying, nope, no truth to that either. So bad news (laughs) for Biden all around today. What a day. We're only halfway through the hour. Jeannie, thank you you rick davis will be back as we turn to primary night and we'll run through the results with bloomberg elections reporter greg Giroux. very interesting turnout in georgia and not good for donald trump we'll have more on that next this is bloomberg remember when mo brooks was calling himself maga mo american patriots start taking down names and kicking ass yeah that was on january 6th Mo Brooks, the Trump loyalist, indeed spoke at the rally on the ellipse when he urged the crowd to start taking down names. American patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. Well, he went a lot further than that at that rally, if you listen. Now, our ancestors sacrificed their blood, their sweat, their tears, their fortunes, and sometimes their lives to give us, their descendants, an America that is the greatest nation in world history. So I have a question for you. Are you willing to do the same? My answer is yes. Louder. Are you willing to do what it takes to fight for America? Just hours before the attack on the Capitol here. Louder. Will you fight for America? Now imagine a world in which Trump endorsed someone else. Yeah. This was the Trump loyalist, MAGA Mo. But when things weren't going great in his campaign for Senate in Alabama, Donald Trump rescinded his endorsement and gave it to Katie Britt. And she won by a lot last night. So that's a score for Trump. It didn't go quite so well for Trump in Georgia as we bring in Bloomberg's Greg Giroux. It's kind of like the day after Christmas when Greg comes over the house. We do this every Wednesday. Almost. Greg, thanks for being here. Welcome back. I'd like to ask you about a couple of these, starting with 
Alabama. That wasn't just a loss. That was a wipeout for Mo Brooks. Yeah, Mo Brooks lost by more than 25 percentage points to Katie Britt. And, yes, Donald Trump did initially endorse Mo Brooks. And then Mo Brooks last August told a crowd at a Trump rally they should move on from the 2020 election. And that did not sit well That's with it. the crowd. But Trump, did not, but Trump did not rescind his endorsement of Brooks until March, mm-hmm. seven months later, when it was clear that Brooks was fading in the polls. And mm-hmm. actually, after Trump rescinded his endorsement, uh, Brooks qualified for the runoff, and then Trump endorsed Katie Britt 11 days before the runoff when it was clear she's going to win. So Trump and his team are very mindful of his win-loss record in yeah. endorsement, endorsements and primaries, and Katie Britt would have won without Trump's backing, for sure. I'm glad you pointed that out, by the way, that this was less than two weeks before the primary or this final runoff here that Donald Trump actually endorsed Katie Britt. That's despite, by the way, my goodness, those who still... Uh, supported Mo Brooks, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, it was Han- Sean Hannity, a lot of folks who would normally be in line with Donald Trump. Uh, remembering January 6th, I mean, what an evolution, Greg. How do we explain it other than the influence of Trump? Yeah, well, uh, Brooks, has, um, Brooks has never been a great statewide candidate. He actually ran for the Senate before. Remember, uh, our listeners will remember that 2017 special Senate election after Jeff Sessions resigned mm. uh, to become Trump's first attorney general. There was a special Senate election held, and Mo Brooks ran for that uh, Senate seat and finished a, a distant third behind Curtis, um, I'm sorry, Luther Strange and um, Roy yeah. Moore. Remember yeah. him? And uh-huh. uh, um, so he's, uh, Mo Brooks has never been a strong statewide candidate. His uh, appeal has always been kind of sectional to his to his uh, part of northern uh, alabama and um the you know certainly the uh, the, the quote-unquote establishment led by you know richard shelby chamber of commerce some other allied republican groups yeah. uh, made clear that they were uh, going in all in for katie Britt over mo brooks we should note that katie Britt worked for shelby was his chief of staff mm-hmm. uh in georgia meantime uh not good uh, for donald trump i mean this has just been one after the other here both of his endorsed congressional candidates lost. Did you see that coming? Was that in the cards? Yes, I thought that both of them would lose, maybe not by the overwhelming margins by which they lost. So uh, Jake Evans was Trump's back candidate in a suburban Atlanta district that's open. He lost by a two-to-one margin to a surgeon named Rich McCormick, who um, is still a very pro-Trump candidate. And even in the 10th district, the other one, Vernon Jones, a former Democratic state representative who ran for Congress as a Republican, um, basically, and he won Trump's endorsement because he decided not to run for governor, because that would have siphoned votes away from David Perdue, who Trump endorsed against Brian uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, Vernon Jones only got about a quarter of the vote there. He lost overwhelmingly to a trucking company executive named Mike Collins, who, even though he didn't have Trump's endorsement, said he was, quote, unapologetically pro-Trump. So even (laughs) Trump's endorsed candidates... Uh, when, they, when, when Trump's endorsed candidates uh, don't win, uh, pro-Trump candidates are winning. That's incredible. Collins was endorsed uh, by Governor Brian Kemp, right, just to rub a little bit of salt in the wound. Oh, it was, yeah, quite, a, uh, quite another proxy fight. And uh, Trump was, I think, looking for a, uh, you know, a face-saving win after his resoundingly unsuccessful efforts to oust not only Brian Kemp in the primary, which failed uh, overwhelmingly, but also the Attorney General of Georgia and, of course, yeah. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who uh, yeah. won his primary over a Trump-backed congressman. On the same day he was testifying before the January 6th committee. Uh, that uh, Vernon Jones-Mike Collins race got pretty ugly, Greg. That we, I was reading reports Collins was, was actually sending out rape whistles 
to remind people that Vernon Jones had been accused of sexual assaults. I mean, this got this got pretty tough. It really did. I watched a debate between the two candidates. While that issue didn't come up, um, uh, it certainly did um, in, in mailers and in other yeah. communications, and it really got uh, pretty bad. Um, Called you know, Vernon Jones, Jones a racist? Yeah, right. A lot of uh, really, uh, uh, you know, it was a really, really tough, nasty race, uh, one of the, one of the toughest ones I've I've seen uh, certainly in, in Georgia politics in some time but yeah Collins won that race uh, overwhelmingly and even though he didn't have Trump's endorsement he's still mm-hmm. going to be a strongly conservative uh, Republican congressman who will promote uh, uh, Trump's uh, views so the Trump endorsement is obviously not going very far in Georgia we get that when you factor in results from North Carolina and South Carolina the primaries we've had so far four Trump-backed House candidates have now lost their primaries. When you step back, Greg, how's the Trump brand doing overall? Is this is this a mixed record uh, at best? Yeah, mixed, uneven at best, and it's kind of hard to gauge the power of of his endorsement, how many votes it actually brings. Um, I mean, typically his endorsements come in the form of press releases and earned media. He doesn't yes, do right. that many in person rallies. It's pretty rare, um, and he his super PAC and his uh, kind of political apparatus even though it's very flush with cash, hasn't really spent a lot of money uh, at all um, against uh, candidates he opposes. So, um, you know, and like I said, he likes to you know, cherry-pick some of his endorsements because yeah. he really wants to goose up that win-loss record. Greg Durrell, Bloomberg's elections expert. Thanks for coming over the house again. Maybe we'll do this after the next primary. As we reassemble the panel next, we want to hear from Rick and Jeannie on this on Sound On. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. He did say this today to Politico, by the way. The aforementioned Mo Brooks says he's retiring from politics. I think Rick Davis said, no, he was retired from politics. But in an incredible evolution from the ellipse on January 6th, to see him on Facebook last night standing in what appeared to be a cafeteria delivering a concession speech in it. Can we call it a concession speech? Well, I guess he did concede, but he was not happy about it. We are sending to Washington, D.C., assuming that there's a victory for my opponent in the general election. We are sending to Washington, D.C., the exact opposite of what we need in the United States Senate. Put 
the voters have spoken. They might not have spoken wisely. They may have been dis they may have been seduced by brazenly false advertising, but nonetheless, they have spoken, and I respect their will. <laughs> so, they may not have chosen wisely, Rick Davis. But I respect their will. We're reassembling the panel. Rick is here and Jeannie Shanzano. You've been around Mo Brooks. You worked in Alabama politics. Uh, you heard Greg DeRose say he was not a very good statewide candidate. But it's it's in many ways a story of betrayal. Well, yeah. First of all, most people in Alabama think anybody north of Huntsville is a Yankee. Okay. So that is probably fundamentally his problem downstate. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he was he was he was. Uh, an incredible story about being on the back of the ellipse with the president of the United States and 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 a, a, a confidant of a very the world's most powerful man to the point where you know he's 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 basically telling in his concession speech the voters that they didn't know what they were doing. They were seduced. It's, it's never a very good way to <laughs> say goodbye. No. Uh, and uh, but but his career's over, right? I mean, uh, by the time uh, Trump dumped him, and then he gets beat two to one, mm. uh, not even a close race. Uh, it's 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 pretty much curtains for him, and and I think he'll be he'll be a it's kind of a metaphor for a lot of the people who are around Trump at the time of January sixth who have fallen out of grace both within the Republican Party and the legal system. Mm -hmm. He congratulated the Democratic Party, Jeannie, uh, suggesting that the Alabama Democratic Party in fact got his uh, rival elected, that his opposition was the chair of the Democratic Party. You know about that? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm still reflecting on his quote unquote concession speech slash yeah. retirement. And um, I've got more. I, I love it. You know, it, it's stunning to me that Alabama Republicans overlooked him for Katie Britt at this point. Um, but, you know, it, I think this does speak to where the Republican Party finds itself. And, you know, Donald Trump endorsing her sort of at the last minute, I totally agree with Greg, had very little to do with, with obviously with her mm -hmm. win. You mm -hmm. had most of the MAGA supporters, as you mentioned, supporting Brooks and he he got, you know, about what Donald Trump's been getting in a lot of these races, which is, you know, between about 25 to 30 plus or minus percent. So I don't think he can even blame Donald Trump on this one. Here is uh, how Mo Brooks put it last night. It is always appropriate to congratulate the winners, and some of these winners might be a little bit unexpected. But I'd be remiss if I did not congratulate the Alabama Democratic Party. To, you know, to congratulate the Democratic Party, uh, Rick, I realize it's, it's tongue in cheek. He's on his way out. Uh, but it, it, it is it's a I, look, I guess the Trump concession speech might have been uh, even more bitter. I guess they're, the, if, if, if there's a measuring stick. Well, at least he actually conceded. Well, I mean, we're still waiting for correct. the Trump concessions. Correct. Um, uh, Katie Britt's 40 years old, could be the youngest woman in the Senate. Is this a slam dunk from here? Oh, yeah. Slam dunk. I mean, first of all, uh, to congratulate the Democratic Party of Alabama would be actually two people. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's not a big group. And, and, and yeah, Katie's a lock. I mean, they're going to send her to the Senate. Uh, she actually has a lot of great experience. I mean, probably a quarter of the members of Congress and, and senators are former staffers. Yeah. So this that? is not unusual to be inspired by a boss like, you know, Richard Shelby mm -hmm. uh, and go back and fill his shoes. And so, you show up knowing everybody. And you show up knowing everybody and you know the system inside and out. So she'll, she'll be a great contribution to the Republican caucus and whether they're in the majority of the minority she'll she'll make herself useful to people of alabama what do you guys make of these races in georgia i mean donald trump just should probably stay out of georgia is that kind of the message here uh, his both of his endorsed house candidates failed last night and and by a lot and, and, and Jeannie, as we discussed with greg Giroux, that vernon jones mike collins race 
got really ugly. And it boy, the, the Trump endorsement did not help. No, it didn't. You know, you've got to wonder what Donald Trump is thinking about Georgia at this point. It has been a disaster for him. And by the way, it's a state that also may very well indict him um, for trying to steal their electoral vote. Mm -hmm. So if I was Donald Trump, I'd stay out of there. But this, again, was another big loser for Donald Trump. But, you know, I think we should be clear. You know, the Republicans, they still say they like his policies. Their problem is with his temperament, the way he comports himself. I don't think the January 6 hearings have really had an impact yet. I'm not sure if they will, but it does speak to what we saw with Georgia voters in November, which is that they like Republicans. They put send them to the Congress. They just don't like Donald Trump necessarily mm-hmm. enough to put him back in the White House. We're looking for trends constantly here, Rick, and I know that sometimes that's dangerous. Uh, it's what journalists do. But when you do uh, factor in North and South Carolina, as I mentioned, four Trump-backed House candidates have now lost. Is the shine off at this point? Well, you know, sort of. I I do think Georgia is a good example of why did Trump even bother endorsing anybody? Because all the candidates are for him. Uh, He could have declared victory with Mike Collins and Rich McCormick. Uh, They're both Trump type absolutely and mike collins says the election was stolen right and we and we can go through a whole laundry list of people he didn't endorse who will say the same thing so so i'm left scratching my head wondering like why in the world who's telling him he's got to get involved in these races why plant the flag to be relevant when what's relevant is the fact that all these people on their own are saying they're for his brand of politics what do you make of that genie this would feed the ego either way why why make it formal Yeah, you know, that's always been the question. This is why former presidents never endorse or party leaders. They they don't take a role in these primaries because, to Rick's point, they can just, you know, tag on at the end. And and Donald Trump has moved this party in his direction. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. So I think it has to do a lot with his, you know, ego, as it always does. And I don't think he takes advice from advisors or smart people like Rick about what he should be doing. And that's partly why he's in the mess he's in, because there's a lot he could have done towards the end of November or beginning of November to be in the White House again, and he just couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. If you didn't hire Rick Davis, that's your problem. What can we say? I have to ask you both about Eric Greitens and and what this is saying about the Republican Party and just the, the state of America right now as the Senate celebrates, even Mitch McConnell celebrating compromise on a gun safety bill that apparently is going to be forthcoming. They could have this done by the weekend. Well, this former governor of Missouri, who's now running for U.S. Senate, puts up a new ad uh, that some might think glorifies gun violence. It's just a 30-second ad. It's already been taken down from Facebook. Eric Greitens walking down the street. He's going past in a rural neighborhood. He's walking past a mailbox with a, with a big old shotgun, or don't ask me what kind of a gun this is he's holding and uh, he starts the rap from there. I'm Eric Greitens, Navy SEAL, and today we're going rhino hunting. Rhino hunting. Rhino. Cox the gun. Corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice. Okay, then now he's joined by a bunch of guys in fatigues, and they break down the door of a house. Set off smoke bombs. Join the MAGA crew. Get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Wow. A right and then they show the rhino hunting permit. Uh, it's been flagged by Twitter. They did not take it down. Facebook did. And Rick, I'm assuming that's the whole point of this. Do you make a crazy ad like that uh, with any intention 
other than having it be banned so you can raise money and talk about it. Yeah, this is a headline-grabbing, off-color kind of uh, effort to be extreme, right? And, and extreme is what sells these days in politics. Uh, but but Greitens, you know, he's just he's he's got a litany of problems, right? And mm-hmm. He was run out of the governorship. That's true. You know, with assault charges, he's had legal problems. Um, you know, I think the people uh, who see this aren't actually going to be entertained by it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he claims now, oh, it was just sort of tongue in cheek, right? Yeah. Um, you know, let's see how tongue in cheek the voters are when he's giving an opportunity, perfectly good Senate seat, uh, giving an opportunity to the Democrats to win, and in this case. Democrats probably will win it because if it continues to, to, to do these kinds of demagoguery uh, and, and outlandish things, he's going to be seen as a joke. Joaquin Castro, a, a Democrat from Texas, of course, Democrat genie, uh, said this is sociopathic. You're going to get someone killed. Adam Kinzinger, Republican, of course, from Illinois. You're a very bad man, he said. Uh, considering the political climate, the shootings recently, Jeannie, Who's he trying to target? Yeah, the timing of this, I mean, the ad itself is outrageous. You know, listen, in American politics, people have historically, including many Democrats, used firearms in their ads, but they haven't mm-hmm. used them to stage hunt a down, home invasion. Hunt down, yes, elected or, or officials or governmental officials. And this is coming just after Brett Kavanaugh. Um, this is coming just after Uvalde. This is yeah. coming after the congressional baseball game. I mean, there there is so much wrong with this, particularly Greitens with his past as being accused of violence to put this out. Um, so, you know, from all of those perspectives, you know, TV networks probably wouldn't run something like this. Social media outlets yeah, do. Right. And that's the problem. We Some need regulation in this area. He is incidentally one of 21 Republicans running to replace the retiring Senator Roy Blunt. Uh, not looking too good on the odds there. A hey, Rick Davis. Yeah, I think he's got uh, a slim chance of playing it through. The fastest hour in politics. If you showed up late, subscribe to the podcast. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.